It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 740 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Hey, I have another excellent episode lined up for you today. Joining me as my guest on this week's show is Craig Walker. Craig is the co-founder and CEO of Dialpad. Now, today, our primary topic we're talking about is technology, sales technology in particular. There's been a tremendous number of new sales tech solutions hit the market over the past few years. And the question has been, and, and still is to some degree, is it actually helping sales? And by helping, I mean, not just as we can make more dials or send more emails, but are we using this, this great sales technology to actually close more deals, improve our win rates, boost our true sales productivity? And if we aren't getting the full benefit of these tools, how could we use them better? So that's what we're going to be talking about. Make sure you stick around for that. But before you get into that, uh, let me talk to you for just a second about VanillaSoft. VanillaSoft is the industry's leading sales engagement platform, but mostly people refer to it as the solution. It's the solution to ensure sales development reps make the right number of attempts for every lead. It's the solution to ensure sales development reps use more than just email, that they consistently use LinkedIn and that dreaded telephone as part of their sales playbook. It's the solution to serve the sales development rep the next best lead over and over again so that they hit their activity numbers. So the solution starts with the right sales cadence, and that's why I need to check out VanillaSoft's guide titled Sales Cadences, What Works, What Doesn't, and Why You're Frustrated. Again, that's sales cadences, what works, what doesn't, and why you're frustrated. And you can get your free copy now at VanillaSoft.com forward slash Andy Paul. That is VanillaSoft.com forward slash Andy Paul. All right, let's jump into it. Craig, welcome to the show. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, it's great to have you. So it's we're recording the day after Thanksgiving. So you and I were just saying we're both... Uh, Still <laughs> full from yesterday. <laughs> yeah, cannot wait to get a little exercise after. This. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely going for a run this afternoon. It's uh, a little chilly here in New York, but it's uh, blue and otherwise pretty, just cool. It's perfect running weather, actually. So yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, so for people, yeah, maybe aren't familiar with Dialpad, uh, may take a moment explain what Dialpad does. Yeah, sure thing. So. Um, me and my co-founders used to run the Google Voice product. Mm -hmm. And so we this was like 2008, 2009, 2010. And we started seeing more and more businesses moving to the cloud for Google G Suite and their email right. and you know, documents and calendar and all that stuff. And we realized once once your your company moves to the cloud for basically its productivity suite, the idea of having a phone system or a communication system that's built around your desk and built around a desk phone made no sense at all. So, right. uh, you know, back then it was a little bit of a gamble whether CIOs would ever trust the cloud for their critical, you know, voice conversations. Um, but we bet that they would, and it just gives you so many more benefits. And uh, so we left the company, left Google, started this company in 20, 2011. And so what we do is basically the entire enterprise voice product suite. So we have a conference conferencing system called Uber Conference. We have a phone Which system. I'm a, I'm a subscriber to. Yes, yeah, so it's got <laughs> millions of users on. There's something nice about just having a simple way to hop on a call and not have to enter pins and not have to do a whole bunch of nonsense to get going. Um, 
We do that. Then we do Dialpad Talk, which is our, our phone system replacement that uses your mobile phone and your laptop and your computer much more than being built around a desk phone. Mm-hmm. And then we have two two call center products called um, Dialpad Cell and Dialpad Support. And so kind of same thing, uses software versus, versus desk phones and um, really allows you to be, you know, as modern and flexible and mobile friendly as, you know, as humanly possible. And then the last thing is we acquired an artificial intelligence company that now can convert all those conversations into text instantly. And from those texts, you know, you for an end user, you don't have to take notes. You can focus on the conversation. And for the company, you know, you can start doing things like popping up the right answer if someone asks a question or how do you handle this objection in a sales context? Mm-hmm. Or, or if, uh, you know, you're, you have a BDR on the phone and someone mentions your competitor, you know, how what's the battle card against that particular competitor? So it's like really adding a lot more capabilities to a phone call rather than just connecting two people. Yeah. Well, I want to definitely dig into that a little bit more uh, as we go through the conversation. So uh, I think a lot of companies are still sort of <laughs> trying to figure out sort of this whole unified communications as a service platform idea. I mean, maybe, yeah, I know one of your competitors just entered into a, a big deal with Avaya, um, yeah. which seems like it adds a lot of sort of validation to the the whole segment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 kind of a no-brainer that that every single company is going to move to the cloud for their communications. Like the idea of managing big giant phone systems and doing your own patches and updates and wiring and things (laughs) like that just makes no sense. Um, And it really is like there's, when you look at the, the UCAS space, most of our competitors were built trying to replicate exactly what Avaya or Cisco did. A switch basically. Yeah, exactly. Just serve it from the cloud. Right. Whereas we, wanted to look at it as, hey, we think the way people work is changing and it's much more fluid and much more mobile and much more dynamic that we don't just want to give you a subscription version of Cisco or Avaya. We actually want to make something different, unique, and more compelling. So I think that's probably our, our biggest difference. But yeah, like... Well, so how does, like, what, did, what does that feel yeah. like to the user then? That's the difference. I mean, yeah, if, so if, if you're a small business, medium-sized business saying, okay... Yeah, the, the nice thing about it, I'd say the biggest difference is you're using your own cell phone and you're using your own laptop or, or computer as your phone rather than having, you know, a $1,000 Cisco piece of hardware on your phone, on your mm-hmm. desk with a bunch of buttons that you're trying to figure out how to, how to use. Um, so it really is, it, it's just the nice thing about having it in software versus hardware is, you know, we can push updates or new features every week or so, and you just automatically get them versus mm-hmm. that's always been the problem with hardware. You can only put like a, a new patch, you know, sure. once or twice a year, and it's a big deal to get it in there. Whereas, you know, software as a service, it just kind of continues to keep getting better and giving you more functionality. So so just like a little more, little more modern, um, and it's just a recognition that people are working from anywhere at any time for you and me from home the day after Thanksgiving. And you know, being freed from, you know, sitting in front of a, a phone on your desk is kind of like that liberating piece. Yeah, I just <laughs> remember the last time I had a phone yeah. on my desk anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's but the 10, crazy thing 10 is, years? Yeah. if you look at the market, though, there's like 500 million business desk phones, and only about 10 million of those have moved to the cloud. So there's still this massive, yeah. massive market that's coming. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that's the thing that's why I start fascinated about the pace of technological change. Is you know we we think there's this huge uptake, but 
yeah, I worked on Apple in the early days, and and yeah. people said, oh, it's only be a few years till everybody has a PC. Well, yeah, it turned out to be. 15, 20 years before you know that number hit like 75% or something. I mean, it, it took longer. Same thing with broadband, even in the home. I mean, it took yeah. longer than people anticipated it would. Uh, yeah, well, particularly when you have, you know, enterprises and CIOs who've been in these jobs for decades, right? Like the idea of ripping something else out that makes them really, really comfortable to, to put it all into the cloud is actually going to take a while. And like, you look at giant things like you know, large financial institutions or the federal government, like those are a ton of seats and it's going to be a long time before they're, you know, they're aggressive enough to move all that stuff to the cloud. So there's, you have this long tail of laggards basically. Yeah. Though the government's just in the process of awarding that, what, $50 billion, you know, cloud, cloud contract yeah. to somebody. Yeah. It's still TBD. Exactly. Who's, I presume telephony is part of that at some point. I wonder. I don't think so. I no? At some point in the future, it should be, but I don't think it is part of that one. Interesting. What about so? What about mission critical applications like you know trading desks and so on? Do they still need to have dedicated lines, or can they? I mean, at the at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like the if you believe that networks and connectivity improves every single year, there's going to be a point where the benefits of moving even that to the cloud outweighs the risk of, oh my God, what happens if the cloud goes down? Um, you know, the cloud is now about 10 years old. It's getting more and more reliable every single day. Like you remember in like the, you know, three, four or five years ago, you used to see there would be like an Amazon outage and like, mm -hmm. you, know, like, you know, like all these websites would be down for a day. It's been a long time since you've knock on wood. It's been a long time since you've heard of, <laughs> heard of one of those things happening. And I think it's as, um, as the cloud providers realize that they're getting more and more mission-critical apps running on their clouds, they've done a lot in the back end to make sure that they have the redundancy and reliability to make sure that it, you know, that it continues working in all cases. So at some point, yes, like the trading desk or you know, even hospitals and you know, emergency responders should all be cloud-based. Yeah. Well, I was thinking in terms of traders, just without getting off the point too much, is you know they've now got these program not now, but you know they've developed the quants developed these program trading regimens that are based on receiving information, you know, fractions of a second faster than I wrote. Yeah. people on arbitraging on the difference. So yeah, I think I think yeah, those those pro whatever get makes those as fast as humanly possible, they're going to do. Yeah. But as far as like hopping on a phone call and taking a trade order from a customer, yeah, uh, no doubt that'll yeah. ultimately get to the cloud. Yeah, maybe there as far as I know. So so let's talk about dial pad cell. You had talked about that. Um, yeah. Is it purely a call center or is it also for sales teams itself? Yeah, it's it's both. So it's for an, if, think of it as a inbound sales line that can distribute to all your agents and you can have all these different routing rules mm -hmm. of, you know, if they don't answer in certain quick amount of time, it goes to the next one or the longest idle person, or you just have a fixed order. Like you can set it up however you want. We right. even had one customer set it up where they didn't want the BDRs to know where they were in the queue. So it was literally like random assignment. <laughs> yeah. And so like everyone's like ready to grab the phone as soon as it comes in. And then like, if you don't answer within 10 seconds, you're out and it goes to the next guy. Um, so it's a, it's a really powerful inbound one. And then for outbound calling, it does like it, it can do auto dialing or power dialing through mm -hmm. a list that comes out of your Salesforce record. It'll show your local number or like if you're dialing to, sure. you know, local presence, White right? Plains, New York, it'll show the local presence. If you catch a voicemail system, it'll leave a voicemail message and get you onto the next call. So it's kind of like a, an inbound and an outbound. Got it. 
Um, so then you just also recently acquired Talk IQ. So let's walk through what that means for. Yeah. So because this gets to sir, what you're talking about that contextual help within a within a call. Exactly. Exactly. So every like, what we saw was every single phone or telephony provider is really focused on connecting the two endpoints and making that a really high quality connection, mm-hmm. which now feels like table stakes. Like, right. How do we add more to that? How do we make it better? So before we bought this artificial intelligence company, we'd do things like show you the LinkedIn profile of the person you're calling or the person who's calling you and give you some additional context outside of just the phone number coming in. Um, but then when we bought this AI company, what they did, which was really fascinating, they were funded by Salesforce and some other top-tier VCs, is they had the ability to they optimize their engine for the phone call, which is interesting, like mm-hmm. 8 kilohertz audio it was optimized for. And then secondly, they did the ASR where they converted into text in real time. So, so it's not just like the call ends and then it converts into tax and then your manager can get some insights of, oh, you did a terrible job of objection handling here or mm-hmm. you did a great job closing there. It can now that it happens in real time, if I'm the rep in front of my computer, as we're having this conversation, if you were to ask me, you know, how are you guys different from Ring Central? bang, like it would pull up within half a second, a battle card of how do we handle that question? Or if the guy's hemming and hawing and won't, you know, won't commit to a next meeting or a follow-up, it can coach you how to apply urgency, how to like offer a discount, give you pricing, like basically anything you want to set up based off anything that, that the prospect or the customer says, you can actually customize for yourself. So triggered by keywords triggered by keywords and then the ai or the machine learning on top of that is the that beyond keywords they can there's probably a thousand ways to discuss you know what the pricing is or timing or positive or negative sentiment and that's where the the ai machine learning actually comes into play where it's like okay this is what they're really saying here is they're interested in buying even though they don't come out and say it. So like figuring out those nuances and those mm-hmm. patterns is really where the AI kicks in beyond just keywords. Yeah, so I think this is this <laughs> fascinating topic for me because uh, yeah, I I yeah, love technology, embrace technology, but also yeah, we have to be cognizant of what the potential impacts are to to sellers, right? Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, one of the problems we have in sales is widely acknowledged is that yeah we have this trend where sellers tend to be a little robotic, yeah, right? Because I've got my yeah. list of scripted questions, I'm gonna follow my list of scripted questions, and and you know if we're constantly feeding people information, are we a sort of taking away their their agency to some degree, and b yeah, do they stop thinking altogether? Um, that's a, I, you know, it's I've probably discussed this a hundred times. I've never had that question before. Um, I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, if I'm on a call and you and I are having a conversation and you ask me things and I'm well trained and I know the answer, I'm just I'm I'm just handling it right. But I think where it helps is when you're in a situation where you don't know the answer or you may be a little fluxum, or, or you're going on and you've kind of lost your train of thought or you've lost something like, you can do all sorts of guide rails to kind of get you back into the flow of the conversation of, hey, Craig, you're speaking at 
145 words a minute. You know, this probably isn't optimal. Slow down, take a breath. Just little things like that can make the experience so much better. Um, Which I, even if you, I, I like yeah. that. I mean, that that yeah. to me is that's something useful, right? Is, is Yeah, you're at 148. We know max is 150. The people can really absorb. So yeah, take it down Slow a bit. Down. Take it down <laughs> a bit. Take a deep breath. Absolutely buy that. Ask more open-ended questions. Like uh, you can start seeing like the percentage of how much you're speaking versus the other person. There's sure. there's a lot of things that still gives you all the agency and the creativity, but just kind of keeps you within those guideposts. Yeah, I mean, we have this sort of larger issue in in sales, and and some of it's being spurred by you know the conversational intelligence systems that are out there. You know, mm-hmm. Gong Course, you know, Ring DNA. All everybody is that is and there are a couple of those companies in particular that you know, talk quite a bit about what they think they're learning from from the data that they collect, which I would contend aren't valid lessons, right? They can really be applied on a one-on-one basis. It's, you know, to me, it's like, well, how do, okay, how do we take this and really use it in a way that improves the individual mm-hmm. within the context of the individual as opposed to what I believe is happening is oftentimes the way it's being used today is, hey, here's the word that the top reps use at this point in the conversation that does this. And we're trying yeah. to make everybody be like the top rep, but they can't be. They, what we want them to be is the best version of themselves. Yeah. So, so how, do we, how do we use the technology to accomplish that? Because I think that's true of sales technology in general. We've, we're sort of this golden age with our sales engagement platforms and so on and so forth. But if we look at sort of the external statistics reporting for like CSO Insights and the rest is, hey, we're actually getting worse at sales in B2B. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sort of the irony that it, in the era of the golden age of sales technology, that performance seems to be declining, which to me doesn't say the technology is not good. It says we don't know how to use it yet to make the improvements that we need. Yeah, or it's a, you know, I kind of have a, a theory that it's a little bit over dependent on technology. So like, it's almost like, Remember in the beginning of Top Gun, they were talking about how the kill ratio went down during the Vietnam War because everyone was relying on on technology to to go, and they set up you know they set up the Top Gun school to teach them you know the, right. the art of the dogfight again and really give them talents. It's I think it's kind of the same way. Like we have more, we have outreach, we have all these all these sequences, all these patterns, all these things that are supposed to find you like the hot lead who's ready to talk to you right then and there's a lot of automation there's a lot of script there's almost too much just reliance on automation and hoping that people are just going to answer emails and buy stuff so i mean i think it is a little bit more of the part of the reason why sales performance goes down is there's probably less selling going on and there's more time dealing with these tools and dealing with hopefully automated things that make it easier um yeah i I think think we're yeah, people. I think people are looking for the easy in there, right? Yeah. I mean, there was this great it's human nature, right? Well, yeah, to some degree, but I mean, there was this great article in the recent New Yorker profile of Robert or uh, Roger McNamee, and uh, you know, he's on sort of a campaign, sort of anti-surveillance academy yeah. campaign. Yeah. But it's a great quote. He says, uh, "Uh." Yeah, you know, one of the the goal of of well, I would say of a lot of sales tech companies too is is saying is that the goal is to eliminate uncertainty in decision making, and <laughs> and I and I think that's that's sort of the issue we're running into is is to your point you just made is everyone wants the easy, but then if they really stop 
thinking, this is still a human business after all. I mean, yeah, is yeah. It, it, I think that accounts for a good portion of this. Is so what are we, what's happening? What are we creating in terms of a culture when that's the case? Because these tools are only going to become more uh, more capable. How do, how yeah. do we how do we how do we reduce the learning curve? I guess is really the, the question to get to a point where they're actually helping us. Yeah, and I think that I mean that's that's the ultimate goal of all these things, right? Like the goal isn't I don't think the goal is to say, hey, here's the perfect script, say these words and then just hang up and go do it again. Well, I, I think the, I think for a lot of people it is though, right? I think a lot of <laughs> I think I think I think for a lot of sales leaders that's exactly what they want because otherwise otherwise they have to get their hands dirty and get in and really, you know. Yeah, I think that's kind of a uh you know, that's that's gonna be an obtainium, right? So to, to me, I think it's like, I like the idea of being able to use this conversational intelligence or the, you know, the voice intelligence that right. we have to, to not just make everyone a robot, but to like, my belief is every sales rep wants to improve personally. Like, let's not just create tools for the manager to be able to coach you better, but for the rep themselves at the end of the call to be able to say, okay, hey, here's, here's how you did on this call in these various pieces. Here's how your pitch was. Here's how your close was. Here's how you objection handled. Here's how you demo, whatever it is. And give me the ability to say, hey, and here's how some other people who have been pretty successful in your org have done it. So here's a clip from, you know, from some sales calls that went well, where they actually closed the deal or where they advanced it down the pipeline in Salesforce. And you can start pulling in that that actual data of what's happening in your CRM to kind of say, okay, did this, you know, like number one, did that conversation advance the close or not? Mm-hmm. And if you see the thing continuing down, down your Salesforce funnel, you can say, okay, that was a successful call because it's now onto the next stage. We set up the meeting or we set up the in-person demo or whatever it is. Um, and using that, to feed it back in and to say whether or not that was a successful call, I think is a little more valuable than saying, hey, here's my top rep. Here's the words he says. Mm-hmm. Now go go replicate him. So, but I mean, like at the end of the day, it still is relatively early in this process. I think um, anything that gives people the ability to, to self-improve and gives managers the ability to coach better is a good thing. Absolutely agree. I, I, I'm less convinced that every salesperson wants to get better which i think is one of the yeah. which which i yeah. which i think is really one of the fundamental issues from a culture standpoint the good so, ones do. Yeah. well but that's sort of an interesting point though is is you know that i was talking to somebody about this yesterday or a couple of days ago in a conversation an interview i was having and and it was like we we're talking about sales books right and you know who reads sales books and it's like well yeah people read sales books the people that are the you know the 20 percent that want to get better Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, well, how do we set up a learning culture within our organization so that we expose and engage everybody to some degree of learning to maybe inspire them to want to get better? Yeah, I do. it's it's interesting, and I you see it. It's most obvious in sales, but you see it in other roles too. Like, mm-hmm. like it's skill and will, and you know, like. You can learn the skills, but you can't. It's really difficult to learn the will. Right. So, so the best sales guys I've seen are the ones who are going to be successful no matter what, right? And like, yeah, it's almost, much. it's almost, you know, it's almost the bell curve of of the population, <laughs> and you got to just do as best as you can to like to try to attract and retain and promote and and create a culture that makes that 
type of person feel super successful and supported. And then hopefully you're able to get more and more of those in. But yeah, I'm, there's, there's plenty of people who look fantastic on paper and then you get them in and they just don't have the will to do it, no matter what their prior successes were. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, are we relaxed hiring standards to bring people in that yeah. perhaps, you know, with our fillers or whatever. But yeah, I think one of the things I've found and we offer, one of the things we, my company offers is we do curated book clubs for companies mm. and, yeah. and we do a 10 book list over 12 months provide reading guides to discussion guides so like if you it's almost it's turnkey so if you're a sales leader you know you've got 15 minutes of something skills related training related to talk about in every sales meeting everybody reads on a schedule um and you find a level of engagement it's astounding you know the people that would not normally have read a book or have taken an online class or looked at a video are like well this is cool what's the next thing we're reading yeah well, I didn't, I didn't expect to be, uh, to to be convinced to buy something on a podcast. But that sounds awesome. We'll talk. We'll talk offline. Yeah. yeah, let's talk afterwards. <laughs> so, um, well, we sort of <laughs> covered uh, one of the topics I want to talk about is just in general is is technology helping sales, and it's uh, to me it's like so much unfulfilled potential because yeah, I'm. A little bit older than, than than some people in sales, you know. For me, one of the first big, you know, technological revolutions in the beginning of my career was FedEx. Just to mm-hmm. <laughs> to show how far yeah. back things go. Um, but at the same time, we we're still selling large, complex systems. You know, tens of millions mm-hmm. of dollars worth. Large enterprise could you know could work a major account without the technology. So it's like sometimes it feels like the technology sort of you know solution seeking a problem. Um, yeah, but the, but the problems are there. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. are, are we are we identifying them right and using? That's why I said the learning curve um, with technology and and sellers is to me is the big the big thing. Sales enablement being another thing now. It's like, yeah, all right, yeah, it makes sense. This this is valuable, but how are we using it? If it's just to yeah. serve, if it's just to serve up the right content at the right time. Eh, you know, got to be something better than that. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think you're ever going to be at the point of just grabbing someone off the street, putting them in front of a thing and say, okay, say what this thing tells you to say (laughs) when it tells you to say it. I think you're doing the whole thing. Like you're, you know, you're recruiting, you're finding your, your, you know, your ideal candidate profile. You're, you're training them on the products. You're training them on, on the market. You're training them on the pain points. And then you're hopefully training them on how they're performing. The one nice thing about the technology though is, whether your manager is great at following up or providing coaching, et cetera, you at least get that automated piece of that coaching. You at mm-hmm. least get, have access to the data yourself to go. If so inclined to improve, you have tools that are going to allow you to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, that's why I think the contextual help in a call is, is exciting. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's, that's, if you're done in such a way, that's, Forcing them to think, not giving them the answers in the yeah. call, then I think, okay, we've got something that can really help sellers improve because it's not like there's certainty. Even with all of our best information, we're still dealing with people. It's not like, hey, this suggestion is this is like absolutely what they're going to do. But yeah. it's like, have you thought of at this yeah. point? And then I think, yeah. 
okay, then we get people thinking. Because this is my big concern, as you probably guessed in sales, is I see too many sellers so wedded to a process, so wedded to their activity numbers that, mm-hmm. and the metrics that they're gauged on that you know, I think we have the wrong set of metrics and the behaviors are such that we're just sort of taking past behavior and automating it, which is not good because it, it wasn't, wasn't good behavior in the past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to automate past bad behavior, that's for sure. Yeah, which I think is sort of what, yeah. we've, what we've done in, in sales mm-hmm. to a large degree. And it's, it's um, yeah, I, as you can tell, I don't really have the answers, but I think, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's, yeah, ways, think- there's ways we could do better. And I, I, but I think part two is we just don't give ourselves the time because everybody's so pressed. We want to grow quickly, we want to scale quickly. And we've got sort of the self-perpetuating vicious cycle where we're trying to bring in all this new, exciting technology into sales. Uh, yeah, we try to scale quickly, grow quickly, and something suffers. And at least, you know, to my knowledge, some of the companies I work with, like in the SaaS business and others, that you know, I've seen their win rates drop pretty substantially, mm-hmm. or they, they exist at low levels. That to me, unless you're a unicorn with, you know, hitting the right market at the right time, it's not sustainable. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I'd say, well, I think it's also, uh, we see a lot of, and I see a lot of B2B SaaS companies that, that'll do things like, you know, gear up for a big, you know, like they'll bring in a new CRO and they'll want to make a big push into, into the large enterprise and they're mm-hmm. going to pay and it's a really expensive go-to-market function, and they're going all in. They bring in, you know, really expensive CRO who's been successful doing it somewhere else. Who then brings in his really expensive reps, <laughs> and then you have this like all this other supporting infrastructure of, you know, everything that needs to support an enterprise deployment, and everything from BDRs to field marketing to events to channel to customer success to account management. Like you end up having this aircraft carrier battle group of cost right and then you know frankly you know that product may not be ready to go compete against sap or something so so it is um it, it's a lot of it is product market fit and timing and focus and segments and things like that too yeah what well, i it also raised a whole other question which you know from the the rep standpoint and and it sort of relates to what you're talking about it's like sometimes you know that's it takes longer <laughs> yeah. Then people want to give it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I use the analogy of an athlete. You know, it's somebody uh, like Steph Curry when he came into the NBA. Yeah, at the end of his first year, it wasn't toward the end of the first year until they really thought, yeah, maybe he's you know big enough, can withstand. He's got the game to to play in this league. And, yeah, it was. And so you know, if we were sort of using like a typical sort of sales example, oh, ninety days didn't on board, not real good. Let's. And it's like yeah. 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 No. And I, well, and it's, you kind of get, you could, you kind of get into this trap of, of the financial model too, of like, okay, so the model assumes, you know, 90 day, 120 Mm -hmm. day ramp. Right. And then you're like, okay. And if I just add this many more people Mm -hmm. that, you know, like my productivity is going to go up like this, I'm going to have growth at X percent because I have this many sellers all now fully ramped, all being productive and all crushing it. And it's the last part of all crushing (laughs) it. It It's always, I think, everyone's challenge. Um, So it is. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. It's a, it's an interesting. It's an interesting time and dynamic, particularly for you know for startups, where you want to have real high top line growth. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then now kind of like balancing that with the post we work world of, but be financially disciplined and don't just burn cash. So it's a, it'll be interesting over the next kind of year or two as people balance those two, you know, those two competing, you know, impetus of grow fast, don't burn as much cash, grow fast, figure out how to be profitable. Well, yeah. And so I think hey, that's why it's a perfect time for perhaps a, a company like yours and the product you have is that in those instances, then the emphasis has to be on productivity. I mean, yeah. I, and I mean, real productivity. And this is yeah, not just we, phantom capacity. Well, yeah. And, and so it's, you know, for me, you know, sales productivity is dollars of revenue generated per hour of sales time. Yeah. Yeah, just it's a you know, typical measure of productivity, which we tend to want to ignore in sales. But that, you know, is one that, especially if you're trying to be conservative with your cash and still grow, that has to be what the emphasis is, right? How do I generate mm-hmm. <laughs> for every hour they're in front of a customer? How can I generate more dollars? Exactly. And having a tool where you can actually help people achieve that, yeah, it becomes pretty important. So, yeah, and the the thing that we like about having it just built into to your phone calls is you're going to be on the phone calls anyway, right? So, so having this additional functionality and capturing all that stuff and being able to potentially improve a call mm-hmm. while it's happening yep. seems like something you may want to have, right? It's not like it's an additional thing where you have to do anything unnatural or, or sit in front of a certain client or do a certain thing. It just, it just naturally happens at the core of our service. So, so when I think of like, you know, sales reps, you know, driving home, catching a sales call on your mobile phone. You know, if when I get off that call, am I going to pull into the house and go enter my notes into Salesforce? Probably not. I'm going to walk in, see my wife and mm-hmm. kids, and like be uh, forgotten about it. But just having all that automatically go into Salesforce, having that turned into text, having it summarized of here were the action items and the next steps just out of that call. Those to me are kind of like in addition to the coaching pieces, just the, you know, just the making sure that everything's put in the right place. So when mm-hmm. things do happen, you know what happened. Um, is this a, another benefit of having a real modern platform that, yeah. that those, those types of integrations and those types of capabilities should hopefully make you a better sales organization? Yeah. Well, I can serve as you're talking, I sort of envision the day I've in my Tesla, I've told it to drive me home. I'm on a yeah. call. On the heads-up display on my windshield, it's giving me the uh, in-call moments. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> 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 yeah. Not that I want to be driving on the highway while that somebody else is doing that, but yeah, yeah. still, nonetheless. All right, well, Craig, it's been great talking to you. Um, yeah, So too. tell folks how they can find out more about Dialpad and connect with you. Yeah, um, so we're at dialpad.com. My email is craig at dialpad.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at cwalker123. Perfect. All right. Well, Craig, thanks a lot. Look forward to yeah, talking awesome. again soon. Awesome. Really enjoyed it. Happy post-Thanksgiving. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. See ya. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me, and I want to thank my guest, Craig Walker. Join me again next week. Well, actually, you'll be joining sort of me. I'm going to be out on holiday. However, we're going to be rerunning one of our most popular episodes of the past year with my guests, Ben Saltzman and Kyle Williams, who are the principals at Dog Patch Advisors, which is based in San Francisco. And the topic for this show was 
outbound prospecting and outbound operations, to be precise. The outbound operations, as Dogpatch has defined it, as a system for an organization to use to produce dynamic, relevant content that fits their particular outbound situation. And it's a system that tunes itself through self-learning with repetition. So you're going to make sure you check that out. It's a fascinating conversation. And if you heard it before, come back, listen to it again, because it actually goes on a little long, so there's a lot to learn there. Be sure to join us then. And before you go, don't forget to visit andypaul.com. Get your copy of my sales growth planner for 2020. In this book, I walk you through a step-by-step process to create an incredibly effective sales plan that will help you hit your targets in 2020. Now, this is the same plan format that I've used throughout my sales career to generate hundreds of millions in revenue. And so for more information or to buy your copy, visit andypaul.com forward slash planner and get your copy today. So we'll look forward to seeing you there. All right, friends, thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>